Hey listeners, Aaron here. What you're about to listen to is a re-release of a podcast that was recorded several months ago for a second show that Patrick and I were going to host called Feelin' Film Plus. That show has ceased to exist. We decided that we just weren't going to be able to produce enough content to keep it going, but the idea of that show was that we would occasionally branch out and we might review something like this, an anime series, or a TV show, or a book, or a video game. It was just going to be an outlet where we could talk about anything that we found ourselves becoming passionate about. Instead of letting this episode just drift off into the ether, I've decided to go ahead and put it into our main feed here. While we know most of you are obviously here for the movies, there's got to be some anime fans among you, and you might enjoy listening to this. If you don't, you can always just turn us off now, skip this episode, and go on to the next one when it comes out to talk about a great movie. Thanks for listening as always, and I hope you enjoy myself and Emmanuel talking about one of our favorite animes, Tokyo Ghoul Season 1. Enjoy. So, without further ado, I'm Aaron, I'm your host, and with me today is guest Emmanuel Noisette, E-Man from E-Man's Movie Reviews. Going on, everybody? Hey, man, I am so glad to have you here with me to do this inaugural episode of Feelin' Film Plus. I wanted to kick it off with an anime, and when I found out that you were into anime as well, it got me really excited. Uh, listeners, for those that don't know, or maybe new, uh, Emmanuel joined Patrick and I. Patrick is the other co-host of the Feelin' Film Podcast. Um, he, Emmanuel joined Patrick and I recently for an episode on Ex Machina. And we had a ton of fun. Uh, we talked about that with him. Uh, we even recorded some bonus content for our Patreon feed where we had to, we got to hear about Emmanuel's uh, comic book love and his fan theory about Justice League, which we're not going to discuss here, but, uh, he's got some, some great ideas with that. Uh, but he loves anime too. And I am so glad to find someone that I can talk about it with. Um, today we're gonna cover the first season of Tokyo Ghoul. This is a show that I recently watched. Emmanuel, how long ago was it for you that you watched uh, season one? Uh, literally a couple weeks ago. Okay, perfect. I finished everything. Yeah. Excellent. So, so it should be pretty fresh in our heads. I think I've watched it within the last uh, month or so. Um, we are gonna stick to season one of the anime. Um, neither of us have read the mangas, so we have a little bit of background with them, but not not a, a lot. So um, we won't totally spoil them if you're worried about that. And we definitely will not get into anything from season two. All right. Well, let's kick this off. I'm going to read the Wikipedia background, Emmanuel, because for those who are listening who may not have watched Tokyo Ghoul recently, this will be a nice little recap as to what this story is all about. So Tokyo Ghoul is set in an alternate reality where ghouls, which are basically kind of like X-Men, <laughs> I would say, in this world, um, to, to put a comic book spin on it. You know, these are um, individuals who can only, well, this is not the part that's like X-Men. These ghouls can only survive by eating human flesh. Um, but what is like the X-Men is that they live among the normal humans in secret. They have to hide their true nature uh, to evade pursuit from the authorities. They end up having multiple factions within themselves. They have, you know, good ghouls and they have ghouls that just want to be in control. 
So it's, it, it has a very X-Men-like feel to it. Their abilities can include enhanced speed, uh, senses, they have regenerative abilities. Um, a regular ghoul is several times stronger than a normal human. Uh, it has a skin that is res- resistant to ordinary piercing weapons. And they have at least one special organ uh, called a kagane, which can manifest itself and they use this as a weapon during combat. Now, when they do use these weapons and these, they manifest these kaganes, which are like these appendages that come out of their bodies, it's very much like a, a Resident Evil look to it, to some of the monsters that you might see in that series. Um, another distinctive trait of the ghouls is that when they are excited, the color of the sclera in both eyes turns black and their irises turn red. In the case of a half ghoul, only one of the eyes undergoes this transformation. A half-ghoul can either be born naturally as a ghoul and a human's offspring, or it can be artificially created by transplanting some ghoul organs into a human, which doesn't sound very ethical to me. Uh, There's also the case of half-humans, hybrids of ghouls and humans uh, that can feed like normal humans, uh, and that lack a kagane, but they possess somewhat enhanced abilities uh, at the cost of a very shortened lifespan. The government agency in this show that is hunting down the ghouls is called the CCG. And that is the basic background for Tokyo Ghoul, I think. Did I cover most of it, do you think? I think that's the good gist. That's the good gist of it all. All right, good. Well, with that knowledge, uh, we should be able to go forth and uh, kind of dissect some of this, man. So. Gosh, I, I guess let's just start with initial impressions. What did you think of this show when you watched it? What were your expectations? I always like to, to, to frame this in the sense of like, what were your expectations going into it? And then how did it work for you? Yeah, so initial initial impression was that I had no idea what to expect. Um, you know, I, as I told you before, I have a uh, anime consultant uh, friend that basically I've told them, look, don't give me any crappy animes to watch. Just tell me what, you know, is going to give meaning to my life, right? And this was one of those recommendations. Um, most people that I talk to, they're like, Tokyo Ghoul is, like, in their top five. So I was like, okay, let me... Like, so I, I went in with the expectation that this is something that I'm not going to be disappointed in once I'm done with it. And... um and yeah, I think that was definitely the case. Like, I, I wasn't disappointed. Um, I was more invested into this than I thought I would be. Um, the stories, the characters. Um, yeah, this was I, this was great. I liked it. Wow, man. Well, I was I had a very similar experience. Although I don't have an anime consultant, I do have a couple of friends that I talk to regularly, and we try to uh, keep up on different shows and recommend them to each other. And we recently decided we were going to start attempting to go through series kind of together, not necessarily you know, watching them the same day, but uh, you know, within a couple of week period, we're all going to watch Tokyo Ghoul season one. And so that's how it works for us. Um, the thing that above and beyond all that is um, the that I've kind of the, the trigger that tells me I absolutely love an anime is when I can't stop <laughs> when I binge the heck out of these shows and Tokyo Ghoul definitely fit that for me I did not want to turn this off I got so invested I just sped through season one and you know as a comparison 
I didn't love season two quite as much and I did not binge it, you know, because it wasn't for me. It didn't do it. It didn't do the same type of push that I got for season one. But, um, yeah, when I, when I get invested in the characters and the storyline on a, in a good anime, I can just, I just let it play <laughs> as long as I can. I'll lose sleep over it and try to get through it in a few days. Um, I had very little expectations going into this one because it didn't seem that interesting to me, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I read the premise and I was like, okay, that sounds like it's been done before a million different times. So it's a vampire or like an X-Men, you know, that's weird. Just the Japanese version, of course. But what we ended up getting, of course, was this story that is so much more than about the fact that the ghoul is a monster. I mean, it's, it's, it's an emotional story. And that's one of the things I love about anime is the majority of the best animes, you know, they, they really do focus on character and they focus on these, these progressive story arcs um, that these emotional things that these characters have to go through. So I loved it too. Um, I had a blast with it. I started recommending it to everybody immediately. And uh, I, I will probably revisit it because I thought it was really, really good. The other thing I pay attention to personally, I don't know about you, but for me, one thing I like to take note of is anime opening thematic songs or, or the intro songs. Now, they tend to change. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's funny. The only time I'll, I'll pay attention to the opening and the ending theme, right? Uh-huh. And um, this is especially significant with Attack on Titan, but that's another show, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I try to find the clues because usually the intro and the outro will have some sort of clue or just hint at what to expect um maybe even an overall thematic you know depiction of maybe the character or um the storyline or something like that so i if i if i recall correctly this one uh, tokyo ghoul had one where basically it was talking about character change right like in the main character and that was something that i was looking for um but i guess when it comes to like the the musical score and stuff like that i don't really get too invested into it (laughs) until episode nine or ten you know like once i'm really into it Mm -hmm. then i'll do it now you know if we're talking about like a long series like naruto or something like that you know you just get into it because it's one episode after the other but um for these shorter ones you know it takes a while for me Okay. Well, I, yeah, for me, it's instant. It is. I, I, I notice them and it definitely impacts kind of my initial thoughts on the show. Like some of these are fantastic. Tokyo goals way up there. Attack on Titan is, you know, legendary, um, psychopaths. Uh, this anime that I'm watching right now had had one of the best ones I'd ever heard. And then of course I get into like episode, you know, 13 or so, um, and it changes and that, that's what I was getting at. Like the, the theme songs will change in these animes that doesn't happen in American television shows. Like imagine watching game of Thrones and halfway through the season, all of a sudden it's a different intro. People would lose their daggum minds. <laughs> they would not know how to react. This um, is true. But, uh, you know, for anime lovers, we have to get used to it. The other thing that I really like about the show, that's kind of a general thing is I love these 12 episode seasons 
these 30 minute long 12 episode seasons. They're condensed, they're quick. I can, if I feel like I need to binge it, you know, I can do it in a weekend easy. I don't feel like I'm having to neglect my life to do so. Um, there's some long running shows that are really good. You mentioned one, Naruto. Um, I have not watched it. I know it probably takes all my credit away. I have not watched um, The Last Airbender. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> I'm in shock. I'm I in know, shock. right? People say I need to go back and do it, and I probably will. But um, Fairy yes. Tale is another one, one of the ones I do watch that is like, I don't know, hundreds of episodes in at this point. They're so long. Um, it's hard to start one of those, but these little ones. Gosh, I mean, that's my kind of storytelling. Like, give it to me. Give it to me tight and give it to me good. You know, start, finish, wrap it up. <laughs> and it, or, or give me a crazy cliffhanger like in this one. Uh, <laughs> and then wrap it up in the second one. So, all right, cool. Well, there are a lot of things going on in this show to talk about. Um, I, and I guess before I jump into any kind of themes discussion here, did you have any favorite characters? Did you gravitate toward anybody that you really kind of connected with or followed their story? You know, the only person um, that I don't know about connected with, but I was more so uh, intrigued by, and I don't know if maybe they get developed in the second season or not, is uh, Renji Yomo. Um, You know, I mean, he's just the strong, silent type. Um, usually you can tell when a, a character is really cool in anime if they have white hair. Like, there's just <laughs> something about the white-haired people. You know, they're either really wise, really strong, really mystical, whatever. Um, but he seems to be, like, the only character that I just don't know very much about, you know. And, uh, yeah, the mystery is there. So that that's the only one. Everybody else, I think, they they did a really good job of giving us enough insight into their background and their personalities, um, you know, where you can just relate to them on some level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, I think most of the characters do have some, some really good, um, thoroughly fleshed out traits and, and just backstories. And, and they, they all get a lot of, um, time to kind of grow except for, uh, Kaneki's best friend, uh, Hide or Hideyoshi. Um, he doesn't really have a lot of screen time. He's a very cool character though, because he's, he's one of the most loyal you'll ever see. You know, he's just kind of, he's always there for Kaneki. Um, he's always, you know, looking out for him. And I really enjoy his character. I don't think I see enough of him. Rize was one that I was completely mesmerized by. So, you know, the beginning of the show, Rize is, Rize Kamishiro is the ghoul with the purple hair who is the sexy seductress, um, who Kaneki is just like, you know, really enamored with. And as we go on, we learn how big of a deal she is. I mean, they make it, they make a pretty big deal about like, Rize is like the boss, right? She is a, a, a completely high end, you know, powerful ghoul, uh, amongst their groups. And yet, I don't feel like we ever really get a clear understanding of, like, why or anything. You know, I mean, like, we know that she's the one who ends up being part of Kaneki's creation. So Kaneki goes out on a date with her. You know, he's nice and 
he's nice and oblivious and she tries to eat him you know normal date and uh <laughs> and it doesn't go well and they have to save him and so they put some of her organs into him and then you got this kind of like merged type of of being which is how he becomes a half ghoul um and of course i think this this plays into why he's such a powerful half ghoul um, but they really just they don't really explain that enough in my opinion i would have liked more on her she's kind of a mystery to me still uh tuka i love tuka um the girl uh, uh, we were talking about this earlier when we were discussing their their mask names um i like that she goes by rabbit that's a that's a pretty cool cool little moniker and uh she's just she she seems like such a great um best friend slash maybe love interest (laughs) for kaneki um animes blend that together a lot you know between are they really romance romantic together or not um i think that the 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 line of maybe the line of i'm not i don't i'm not well versed in japanese culture i don't know how, how well you are but i get the sense that the line between friendship and romance is a lot more blurry or a lot less defined than it is in america uh and that seems to you know show yeah, no, I, th- I think that's definitely the case. Because, I mean, there are a lot of, um, you know, a lot of animes where that friendship, wh- where the love interest starts off as a friendship, but it evolves over time. But in some situations, and I don't, I don't want to ruin it for different animes or for a certain anime, um, it never really pans out. And it literally just kind of stays as just a really mature friendship, even though it oh it might have started with uh, hints of like a crush or you know some romance in there. Are you talking about Attack on Titan? You know, <laughs> no. Okay, good. no, good. I guess I think this is a common thing, so it could be any number of, of anime. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to ruin it for, for a certain one that you have not seen yet. I'll okay. Just look at that. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, so the the themes in this to me are, are really strong. Um, the ones that stick out right off the bat are this idea of racial oppression um, and the ghouls. So... You know, we don't get a ton of backstory on how ghouls came to exist and what's been. I mean, we're we're just dropped in this world, right? It's like poof, here you are. This thing has been happening for a while now. There are ghouls. Yeah, accept it. Like this, and Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I've read some criticisms that were like, "No, I need to know what all. How did we get to this point?" But I kind of like the way that they they approach it. They just you know put us there said this is the facts this is the reality that this show takes place in and let's move forward um but it does you know beg the question of of how did they get here (laughs) and uh we we have all these ghouls and we have all these different factions um and we have some ghouls that really want to coexist with the humans um one of the neat things about the show is the uh on on teku I believe it's called the coffee shop uh, and how, you know, the ghouls can drink coffee even though they can't eat human flesh. That's a really neat touch. I had a, one of my friends specifically told me um, he, he makes French press coffee every morning. And while we were watching the show, he couldn't 
he couldn't help but every time he was you know dripping his coffee every single morning he he was swirling it around and you know remembering Kaneki and the ghouls <laughs> no hey that's that's so real i can't tell you how many times i've wanted to have a bowl of ramen noodles after watching naruto cuz he eats that all the time so you will probably have that desire and urge nice <laughs> well i like yeah i like the i like the coffee shop um it's managed by Yoshimura, right? I think was yes, yeah. So Yoshi, Yoshimura is the one who who really I can't help but make this comparison. I mean, he's he's like a Professor X. He's got. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> you know, he's got this group of kids um, that he's bringing in. They they really don't have anybody else. Most of them, Kaneki's mom is dead, right? I believe, right. yeah. So these guys are all like loners and he's he just serves as this surrogate for them and gives them this safe place of safe haven tries to teach them the way to go how to coexist in the world i mean it's so it's so x-mini um <laughs> and uh very and I, much so i mean i love that that's probably why i like it honestly is because it's it's different enough on the outside with the way that you know the ghoul culture exists but if you look closely you see that comparison um and i just i think it's i think it's really brilliantly done um, but i love i love his character i love how how caring he is for them um and then their hanami when hanami comes into play which is the little girl um whose mother dies and she ends up living with kaneki and tuka um you start to see this idea of this paying it forward within this subset of ghoul culture but it's it's fascinating because there's there's other like to me the Kaneki group and the um and Teiko coffee shop group is the one we spend the most time with but they're the most what I would consider unrealistic so I would expect more to be members of like the Agori tree these these ghouls who wanted to go out and fight and so there are ghouls who want to go out and fight. <laughs> and, of course, that's why we have the CCG. So what did you think about the CCG and the way that, like, they hunt ghouls? So, you know, it's funny that you said that because, you know, when I had thought of the cafe, I also thought that, yeah, they were kind of like the exception. But I thought the same thing for the Agori tree as well. Like, okay. Um, because you know, and, and kind of going back to what we were talking about with the uh, with the whole origin thing, I don't think an origin would have helped. You know, if I knew where these ghouls came from and what they're all, I mean, like, would that change the story at all? You know, like if they were a chemical accident, well, who cares? They're here now. Um, if they were a process of evolution, well, they're here now. Like, so I don't really think it was necessary for uh, the story, but um, I do like the idea of having a um i guess uh, i don't know if it's a liberation you know type of thing with the agori tree and um you know with the cafe just more of like a peace and loving let's cohabitate type of uh mindset but to me i'm just thinking like if i'm an average ghoul you know just hanging around i want to assimilate and just not you know fly under the radar as best as possible um, I don't want to get caught up in anything, you know, because at, at the end of the day, it, it always sounded as though and you get this more from Rabbit's character um, 
living the life of a ghoul is hard, you know, and it's something that um, they have to deal with. And I guess at the core, it's really about survival for them, even though the irony is the fact that they are the hunters, you know, in, in most cases. So, but yeah, I mean, that brings in the CCG, which tries to be like the liber- the, the uh, I guess the Sentinels um, or, you know, uh, if we're going to do X-Men uh, analogies or comparisons. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, like, what I found the most interesting about the CCG was how formidable they were against these superpowered ghouls, you know, and, and how they've developed all these tactics and weapons, of, uh, you know, over everything to really stand up against it. And I mean, like, they scare ghouls. That's that's huge to me. They do. They they terrify them, and they they have them on the run for sure. I mean, they are legitimately scared of these investigators. Um, so we have because we have Motto, who is like the the old guard. Kind of, he's been there, done this for a while now. He's seasoned. He's the veteran who knows all the tricks. Um, you know, I forgot to mention Motto was also one of my interesting characters that I was in, that okay. I like because. I didn't, I, you know, I thought it was really interesting when, when Rabbit finally, you know, took him out. Well, or was that Hiname? Uh, one of them. Whenever he felt, met his end, I thought it was interesting how that's when they wanted to talk about his um, uh, his background. The fact that, oh, well, he must have been married and he must have had a kid or, you know, a family or something. And he wasn't just doing this just because he was crazy. He was doing this because, you know, these ghouls maybe threatened his family or maybe he lost someone or whatever the case is. But he's also trying to maybe protect those that he loves. And, you know, so at the end of the day, there's really not an enemy per se. Mm -hmm. There's not like an evil pursuer, someone that just wants to kill people just to kill. Now, until the end. Yeah. Yeah. We do do have Jason out there. But in terms of these groups, these groups have certain goals. And I guess the underlying theme is just the fact that nobody talks to each other and nobody understands one another. And if they did, maybe we'd actually have a little bit of more, you know, peace and cooperation. Right. Which is a great real world application that you could pull out of this is is the idea of like, why don't we talk to each other? Why is there no council of ghouls and humans that are trying to work through this problem together? You know, ghouls that are trying to help control the ghoul population, humans that are trying to help control the human population. We, we definitely feels like we live in sort of a neo world where, you know, militaries have a lot of power, which is a common theme in dystopian um, type fiction. Um, Motto. Yeah, I, I thought Motto was fascinating. I my only complaint was that I wanted more on Motto. Um, we do get those hints with him having a family and. The way in which his protege, uh, Susia or Amon, really kind of talks about him and, and how he, he trained him. Um, but I wanted more. I, I wanted I wanted to know more about why Mato was so... He seemed so sadistic, man. He was uh, eccentric. He And eccentric is a great word for it. Like, he just... I, I, I know he must have had his reasons, but my goodness, he was bordering on 
like pure enjoyment factor for like hunting these guys down. Um, it, yeah, it was a little little disturbing. And he didn't seem to he didn't seem to distinguish either. You know, it, a ghoul is a ghoul to him. And there had to be a reason. I just would have liked a little more on that because I thought his character was fascinating. But like you said, the the weapons and the things that the CCG uses. That, so that this is something that I really love about anime in general. The creative nature in which they come up with <laughs> things. I mean, I, you just don't see some of this stuff in American culture. You know, it's guns and it's knives and it's it you know it's very they may have a little bit of a different flavor to them but they're not unique um but we see this a lot in anime and these these quinques i mean so so we got the we talked earlier about the kagane which is the kagane is that that organ that all ghouls have that's unique so it manifests itself in some sort of tentacle type appendage that they use to you know kill other people and they you know i think is it? It's Kaneki's that he can shoot out stuff. I mean, it, they're crazy. They're they're freaking amazing designs. So then we get this idea that there's this quinque, which the CCG uses, which is an organ that has somehow been like manipulated in a lab or something to create a weapon, and they have to carry it around in this suitcase because the organ is in the suitcase, <laughs> and then they have to open the suitcase and it kind of turns into the weapon and oh man yeah the the it just opens up so much of a playground for visualization of these fights well i i just love the irony and how they make those weapons out of the organs from the ghouls you know mm, so whenever yeah. he kills a ghoul that's why he was so interested in uh hanami because he was just like Oh my gosh, you have both your parents, you know, defensive and offensive, um, you know, weapons that I, I want that. You know, it was almost kind of obsessive where I don't know, like he had this collector's mentality, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought there was something to it that the CCG would resort to using, um, the ghoul's own abilities against themselves kind of reminded me of uh, X-Men Days of the Future Past mm -hmm. where they made the Sentinels adapt to the, you know, to the mutants and use that to basically extinguish them. That's right. That's right. They did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. See, we can't get away from it. <laughs> we'll just call this X-Men the anime. Um, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, too. Uh, maybe it'll help me sell more people on it, to be honest. Yeah, um, totally that's yeah that's fantastic um observation i just i really enjoyed it i enjoyed watching and seeing what kind of different queen case because they were unique just as the ghouls have a unique kagane that weapon um the queen case seemed to be very unique in uh, very much kind of for each uh inspector you know it was like it was like a per it was personal there's a personal aspect to it um it sure. wasn't just like they were issued one and they walked out with the same m16 um so there was there was more connection to it that way. Um, I love the ghouls had ratings too, uh, like they had like S ratings and C ratings. It really helped me distinguish as a viewer which ghouls I should be concerned about. You know, um, they made it very clear, like, hey, listen, these are this one is a bad one. <laughs> this one is powerful, and and this one maybe not so much. 
And so I thought that was really cool. Um, so, but thematically, the story as a whole really hits on this idea of, um, is there, is there hope in this dark world? Um, and you could, you could look at this a couple ways. You could look at this as like, is there hope for the human race who are living among this race of creatures that have to eat them to live? Um, and then there's also for the ghouls, you know, is there, is there any hope for them? Uh, can they be redeemed? Because they've been turned into a monster. It's what, it's what I, it's what Kaneki deals with the entire story, right? Is he's fighting against becoming a ghoul. Um, he doesn't want to be half ghoul. He wants to still be human and it's killing him. He doesn't know how to adjust. I mean, gosh, man, how would we do that? How would we ever, I mean, I can't even fathom what that would be like. Like coexisting. Yeah, well, just just trying to accept it. I mean, imagine, imagine you woke up one morning and you were half ghoul. Like that's oh. what he goes. Oh, through. you mean personally? Yeah, like that's what he goes oh, through, dude. I mean, the the sad thing was because I and I was kind of again because you know I came into this I had no idea what it was all about or anything. As I was watching those first couple episodes where we're seeing him deal with this hunger and this you know this uh, transformation, I guess. Um, I kept thinking to myself, like, is he going to be a unique thing where he's not really ghoul, but he's not really human, where I personally thought he was going to enjoy eating both, you know, I I, I mean, I just thought that he would have, you know, had kind of like whenever you deal with half vampires, like, like Blade, you know, you have all the strengths, but not the weaknesses. But in this situation... I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is human that's left about him because he can't eat anymore like he normally can. Um, he has obviously all the attributes of a ghoul. Um, I mean, the only thing that just kind one, of remains human is his one eyeball, <laughs> you know. And I'm just like, that's it, you know. Uh, I don't know. So I guess there was more to be desired in terms of giving me something that's a little bit more of both worlds. Cause right now it feels like it's just 90, 10. That's fair. With him. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think the majority of his human side is really up in his head. You know, it's, it's in that, it's in that mental struggle of where he wants to, he wants to hang on to that. And, um, for now, well, yeah, I mean, I told you we're not talking about season two because you haven't seen oh, it. Oh, I was talking about the end. Oh, well, that's I was too. talking about the end of season one. Yeah, that's true. It does. It does begin there. Um, I, you know, it's it's also interesting that um, someone brought up. I, I frequent this Facebook group, and I I said I would mention them. It's called the the Reformed Anime Hub, and I had asked for some. I'd asked there for input on things that they they thought about theme wise. If ghouls were real, should doctors use their parts to save human lives? Because that's what happens to Kaneki. Man. So the ethics of that. I would I would probably say no. Okay. Um, only because... Yeah, only because of the fact that, you know, you are essentially adding to the problem right especially if those parts turn people ghoul 
you know. Um, now, it'd be different if, like, you know, oh, well, a ghoul's lungs were put into a human, but that has no effect on the human being. Like, it's not going to make them want to crave flesh or whatever. But um, I, I think anytime you start splicing um, certain things with human beings um, that contribute to a change in that human that's where it becomes unethical because now you're you're in a sense almost playing god you oh, know yeah. you're 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 playing with some things that i mean you know like it's not uncommon that you would have uh even in the medical field you take an animal's part or skin or something to kind of like patch up something within a human being um but we're not talking about you know putting a lion's heart in a human or something weird like that you know so I would have to say no. That's not ethical for now. <laughs> for now, I would. For now. I, I definitely agree. I think I think were this a different world where there seemed to be more. Again, we go back to collaboration or um, working together, some sort of um, system in place uh, where ghouls and humans coexisted, um, and you could kind of sign off on being okay with that. If that was going to be the only way to keep you alive, um, maybe in that kind of world, this might be something that could potentially be okay. See, but like, <laughs> so, okay. The only thing I'd, I'd say to that is, I mean, I think Kaneki is a perfect example of like the, um, the effects of, first of all, this is going to start a slippery slope, right? <laughs> That's true. That's because true. Once you start, yep. For, first of all, you're talking about, oh, we got to do it to save lives. Okay, cool. You do that. We're completely negating um, the reality that Kaneki showed, which was the psychological effect on this on a person. I don't want to have to start even thinking about having to eat other human beings. That will take a really bad toll on my mind, you know. Um, but then, the, you know, if we're talking slippery slopes, look at what happens with medical surgery nowadays. People are going to be like, hey, being a ghoul is the new trend. I want to go ghoul now, you know, or whatever. Like, it's just it's too much. It's just no, it's not. Gonna, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like it. No, sir. Yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, eventually, you know, you can't have you can you can come up with a system to where the feeding aspect could get taken care of to some extent, you know, like, Oh, we'll feed on dead human bodies. But you know, one day that could potentially run out or some, some, somehow that, you know, it's, it's just the same thing that always happens in, in every story. I would say story, but even in real life, we, we want to push further and further and further up against that, that edge um, to where we think we have control and then ultimately we lose it. And when we lose control, it, you know, terrible, terrible things happen. And so, yeah, I can't imagine a system where we would want to create more ghouls. That just seems crazy to me. <laughs> I don't think that's a good um, idea. I, yeah, I'm with you, man. Well, let's, um, let's talk about the ending because, you know, our, our story takes Kaneki on this path, um, this, this interesting journey from human to half ghoul um, to this point where he gets to where he has been he's he started to kind of understand the need to to fight back um when he you know gets in charge of he gets not gets in charge of when he ends up taking care of hanami 
Um, he gets, starts to understand the feelings of like wanting to protect others or protect someone else. Um, and then I, I feel like this is both well done and awful, awfully done because I, I feel like Jason comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden there's this character named Jason and he kidnaps Kaneki and he's being tortured in the last couple episodes. I don't, I don't know if he necessarily comes out of nowhere. I mean, okay. like when we learn a little bit about Jason's background, I mean, we find out that he's basically a byproduct of torture, right? Like, mm-hmm. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, it was humans that were torturing him. I, I believe that's what he said. I, I, you know, I, I can't, can't remember fully. I well, I know that uh, Nishio, who we have not talked about, but is one of the coolest characters you will ever see. Um, Nishika Nishiki Nishio. He's the ghoul with like the eclectic personality, and he's like very flamboyant, and he wants oh, to. He tries to eat Kaneki. That was weird that took that that whole scene i was oh those what two three episodes Uh i was like what in the hell this is going in a whole different direction it really was i wasn't ready i wasn't ready for it i wasn't either but i know i know he had some tie-in to jason there at the end um as well but yeah so i I think you're right i think jason did have some elements of this did have a, a, a sense of you know the torturer being damaged uh and then kind of you know doing what he had had done to him what he knew so there was that element of it um but then we you know we get the torture so Haneke gets captured and just begins being just mentally and physically tortured and it is some of the most brutal scenes that I have ever seen in anything in my entire life (laughs) whether it's anime or a movie or a tv series or anything I've ever watched I actually have I had one friend that was, wouldn't watch the show. You know, the funny thing is that they actually still hide and censor stuff in this show, but it's still graphic. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we saw two different versions, but I was watching it like they never show uh, uh, Mato's uh, hand being cut off. Like you only see like dark shadows of the gore. Um, well, at least the version that I saw, but it was still super graphic to me. And yeah, I mean, Kaneki's torture was just like, I mean, I don't even think you needed to see it, you know, like exactly depicted. Like you didn't have to see that. Uh, what was that? That red centipede or whatever oh, going into it. I mean, dude. I mean, I don't, oh, I don't man. know about you, but once I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, is this real? Do people do have human beings ever really done this? I googled the mess out of that. Did you seriously? What did you find out? I did. Oh, it was like Chinese. It's similar Chinese torture or whatever it was. Wow. It's just like one of the top 10, 20 most painful torture tactics. So it's, just, it's interesting how concepts like that. I mean, we saw it in uh, it's some similar thing happens in um, Star Trek 2009 in the reboot. Um, they put this some Andorian or whatever it is slug down uh, Captain Pike's mouth to try and get him to talk. Um, so it, it's interesting to me how real life things get translated into story elements that we believe could be fictitious <laughs> because my gosh, how could that possibly be real? That right. creeps me out. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
Well, the torture scenes are nuts. I mean, I, I will admit, I, I didn't have a problem watching them. Personally, I didn't have to look away. Um, but I understood how some people could because they are well done. I, I, I hate to use that phrase, but they evoke the, the correct sense and feeling of horror and terror that they are meant to. Um, and it is in freaking tense. And of course, all this leads up to, you know, Kaneki watching people get murdered in front of him um, and push it's, it's like pushing him and pushing him and pushing him to manifest his powers until he finally does. And then cut to the end credits. So how did you feel about that? <laughs> <sighs> the uh, wait, which part? When, basically the last how did did you like the last couple episodes and the lead up to the ending and then how did you feel with the ending of the show i felt empty and lonely inside <laughs> okay um no i mean you know first of all i thought that it was probably one of the most brilliant um manifestations and portrayals of character development within 20 minutes that I've seen, especially in an anime, um, because that whole time he was having a conversation with Rize within him, right? Like within the subconscious. And um, it, it, it was just, it was amazing to me how he had to reconcile all these different issues within himself. You know, like basically he had self therapy. But this therapy didn't necessarily help him per se. Um, I guess that could be debatable. But um, this conversation that he has with Rize basically breaks everything that he thought he knew or that he thought he believed. Um, you know, where he finally came to grips with his mother and his, and her death, um, and how he basically had to embrace um, not just becoming a ghoul. But in a sense, you have to be heartless to do the things that you really want to do. Hmm. And, and and in a sense, he kind of, you know, what he really wanted to do was, like, protect his friends, protect people, you know, that couldn't um, protect themselves. But it was just interesting how he came to that, manif- that, that realization that in order to do that, you have to basically become the monster, you know? Yeah. Um, not not just get stronger, but yeah, you have to go to the dark side, you know, in order to really obtain whatever power that you need to accomplish what goals you want to do. Interesting. Um, and so would you say that you agree with the idea of doing whatever you have to at all costs, uh, even to your own humanity? in order to gain the power to save others? I personally don't. Okay. Um, only only because I do believe that, um, you know, once you throw morality out the window, then everything is just permissible. Like, you could just do whatever. You can rationalize anything. Um, there's no standard, you know, for you to not just adhere to, but um, to define yourself by You know, because at the end of the day, you know, my question for uh, Kaneki is like, um, I guess, how do you live with yourself? You know, how do you reconcile all these things that you're doing 
Um, and are they really justified? They can be rationalized. Mm. Yes, you can say, okay, I needed to, you know, prevent this person from harming this other person. But did you have to stab him through the face? <laughs> you know, it's just like, was that really justifiable to do that one thing that you said? So, yeah, you know, I've never really bought into the the ideology of by any means necessary because some means are not necessary because like you say they do either compromise your humanity or they compromise your sense of morality and so no i, I don't think it was i i wouldn't agree with his uh path his new path mm. now well, good me either um i'm excited to hear your thoughts uh, obviously offline when you uh when you start up season two just be ready to not just watch like one episode in of season two I, I already mentioned how i didn't binge it and it did have a different kind of tone like feel for me going through it um but yeah once you when you first see that with the first episode coming off of it it will give you some answers and it will it will i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil a little bit here and i'm gonna say it does clear up what happens at the end of season one um, I know some people could be worried that, you know, sometimes an anime won't do that. It'll just leave it and then move on to something else. And it doesn't do that. It, it picks up exactly where it left off, um, which is a good thing uh, and is much needed. And it makes me appreciate and be okay with the ending of season one. I would not have been okay had it given me any kind of gap <laughs> and not filled in the details. Um, so the fact that it starts right off the bat and shows me what what happened allows me to then retroactively be fine with the cliffhanger the way that they handle it in season one um, and Kaneki's character is just uh you know in this in this season he just goes on such a such a great arc um into this this new character it reminds me also of kind of luke in a lot of ways um, what luke goes through in star wars uh, as far as kind of struggling and, and thinking about going to the dark side a little bit and, you know, or not Luke. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, gosh, why, why did I say Luke? <laughs> uh, Darth Vader reminds me of his dad um, and how, you know, he starts off really fighting against it and then understands the power that he can gain and kind of embraces it. Now, what he does with that, I guess you'll have to watch season two to find out, but um, I loved season one of this show. I, it is definitely one that I feel has a lot of rewatchability um, to, to just hone in on and kind of pick up on little clues and little um, minutia that you don't necessarily notice when you're watching it through the first time. And um, I'm excited about doing that eventually. I'm, I love it. I thought it was one of my favorite ones that I've seen so far. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, um, I, this is actually, well, first of all, you know, for those, who uh, might be watching this for the very first time, or or if you are like me, you're about to start watching season two, the one thing that I would recommend is not making any Google searches about Tokyo Ghoul. Good recommendation. At all. Oh my gosh. I got one thing spoiled for me off of one Google search, and I was specific. All I said was, you know, Tokyo Ghoul season one, you know, like I, I didn't want to have anything wrong. And man, it just one photo still killed it. And I know 
an untimely situation happens with someone. And I was very upset that I found that out. But, you know, at this point now, I just have to realize, okay, how did it happen? What, you know, what's going to go on with it? But don't do any Google searches. You know, (laughs) that really is a sad problem. Uh, that we have in this day and age, it's first world problems, but it is a it is it is a struggle to totally. you, you want to get information and you you just can't. I I was recently re, uh, we've been watching my my co host Patrick and I've been watching through Battlestar Galactica for the first time for us the the reimagined series, mm-hmm. and you know it's been out a handful of years now, so the same thing has happened. Like I'd be like, oh, you know, I wanted to look up this actor that was in episode four. Oh my gosh, like the rabbit the the amount of things that that accidentally can show me, you know, and try, like it has been a complete chore trying to not figure out who this, like not be spoiled on who the Cylons are. <laughs> I mean, and we made it, but it wasn't, it, it, it took a lot of intentionality um, and a lot of just putting, putting our hand over our eyes and trying to hide. So yeah, that that's great advice. Don't Google anything about Tokyo Ghoul until you start on season two and you, you know what's happening. <laughs> Well, totally. well, uh, Manuel, it's been great. I'm so glad and appreciative that you were able to come on and, and talk about this with me and kick off uh, Feeling Film Plus with a bang. Um, I'm sure you'll be back on at some point to do more stuff love with to. us here. Um, I love the freedom that this show is going to offer Patrick and I. Um, it, you know, Feeling Film is going to stay more uh, Patrick and I's. It's going to stay our movie show. It's going to be very defined. It's going to have its set number of episodes. And this is just going to be the dumping ground. You're not going to get any kind of structure here or any kind of routine. Sometimes episodes will be long. Sometimes they'll be short. Um, Who knows? We're just going to use it as a little bit of a playground uh, and have a lot of fun with it. And and this has been a great time. So if people want to follow your awesome movie reviews, um, where can they find you online? emansmoviereviews.com um you can google eman that's e m a n uh movie reviews and you'll probably stumble upon all of my social media links um definitely come and talk to me on facebook uh twitter instagram i'd love to chit chat with you about movies what is your twitter handle cuz i actually oh. it was not eman no it's uh emans reviews ah there we go yep good same for instagram too okay i wanted to make sure i got that out there because i i had when i was going looking for you um i it took me a second to find you (laughs) i was like (laughs) wait a second this is not you um and and all of uh eman's links will be in the show notes as well listeners so you can click on those or the blog post and quickly and easily get to his site to check out his stuff um he does video reviews we don't so you can do both, and uh, you you do a lot of spoiler free stuff, right? Mo- the majority of my stuff is spoiler free. I'm uh, I have a uh, loathing for spoilers, so there we go. It, so yeah, so see, so Eman's movie reviews coexist with Feel and Film in a in a in a great way because you awesome. can uh, you can check out his stuff uh, spoiler free, and then you can go watch the movie, and then you can come back and, and listen to our episodes on on the content. So uh, thanks everybody for being here. We appreciate it, and uh, hope you'll be back for the next one. Thanks.